0: high school students, you guys are staying in here with us uh, this morning. My name is Wes Buchanan, pastor of student ministry. I know that uh, Larry takes a risk every single time he gives me the microphone, and so I'm thankful that I get to be up here uh, again this morning. We're in a series called, Oh, the Places Will Go, and because I need to see it on in front of me and a framework of what we've been talking about this summer, um, I'm going to go review the places that north has gone uh, in the word this summer. Uh, Larry uh, started us off May 29th uh, with the story. Now, this, this is my version of what they talked about, so if you heard something a little bit different, then that's okay. This is what I heard when they spoke, all right? Uh, Larry uh, spoke on the Peter filling the nets with fish and kind of encouraged us that when your plans fall through to choose God's leading, Uh, Jeff followed that with the man who was healed at the pool of Bethesda, um, and that we should be open to God's leading in uncomfortable times. Uh, Then Troy spoke on when Jesus asked Peter three times, Do you love me? And uh, mentioned that we need to avoid the comparison trap because Jesus says, You follow me. Uh, Larry then spoke three times in a row, the first on Jairus and Jairus, his daughter that was dying, and the woman that he healed along the way, and that was to seek the power of Jesus before you find yourself in a desperate situation. And then on Gideon, and left us with the question, how big is the God in your life? And then Peter walking on the water and encouraged us to take a risk, get out of the boat, and see what God can do. Two weeks ago, Adam spoke on part of the Sermon on the Mount And left us with the encouragement to control our attitude no matter what circumstances we find ourselves in. And then last week, Kirsten spoke on the story of Ruth. And that the decisions that we make can put us into God's greater story. Oh, the Places That We'll Go is a series about when we find ourselves in places that we never thought we would be. And how those can be times when we see Jesus the most clearly. I love hearing those those stories this summer. They spoke you know, about the Word of God, they explained the Word of God, but they also shared things that were current in their life, things that were current and real and fresh and new, and it's like Scripture talks about iron sharpening iron, we get to learn from one another. So I hope this morning that as we worship, as we fellowship, as we pray, that we... We hear from God's Word today. If I were to ask you, what is one of the current faith issues that you have going on in your life right now? I'm not going to ask you so you, don't, you can just think about it. But if I were to say, you know, what's, what's going on with you and your faith? And what season do you seem to find yourself in? What would your answer be? Are you in a place of waiting for something? And God is teaching you Patience. Are you encouraged, and you're feeling like you are fulfilling your God-given purposes? Are you angry with God, or confused about what He's doing, or a lack of direction? Are you bored in your faith, and you're just a bit apathetic? Are you feeling adventurous, and taking risks, and stepping out in faith? Maybe you don't know where you're at on your faith journey. Wherever you find yourself today, whatever season that you are in, I want to remind you of something. Remind you that God is not surprised where you're at. He loves you the same today as yesterday, as forever. God is real, and he is current, he is alive, and he is in the midst of wherever you find yourself today. I want to share with you guys today one of the themes of my current faith journey. And it happens to fall perfectly in line with our series, Oh, the Places Will Go, because I'm finding myself in places that I never thought I would be, and I'm getting to see what God is doing. Now, like any season or specific faith journey we find ourselves in, the Lord knew that we would be there, and He prepares the way with. Things that are seen and some things that are unseen. One of the key pieces to remember, and I remind myself of this, is that no matter where you are today, no matter where I am today, God never puts us in situations that we cannot handle. If we lean on Him, He will give us strength. And He works all things to His good, which means that He's in it. The Spirit is working, working in you, working in others, working in circumstances. So just one fun example of what it means that, you know, you may find yourself in a place you never thought you'd be and God is preparing the way. Uh, Jeff and Deb Tebalt went on a trip last week. They booked their flights, they got on a plane, and they flew to what they thought was Bend, Oregon. Instead, they booked their flights flew and landed in Coos Bay, Oregon, otherwise known as North Bend. They booked flights to the wrong place, four hours from their intended destination. They found themselves somewhere where they never thought they would be, especially when Deb looked down and said, wow, I didn't remember that there was a lake here at Bend, And, and Jeff said, well, no, honey, that's the ocean, and we're in the wrong place. God was not surprised that they landed in Coos Bay. God was with them when they enjoyed a four hour drive through his creation. And I know without a doubt that God did some things in their heart, in their spirit, and in the midst of that situation to bring honor and glory to his name, whether seen or unseen. Furthermore, God had prepared a way for them to be at a place in their relationship where they just laughed and played and enjoyed that crazy, weird situation. God is always preparing us. So here's where God is preparing me, here's where God is taking me right now, and actually the last year and a half of my life. It's been my whole life, but pointedly the last year and a half. God is expanding my heart redefining, taking me on a journey that I never thought I would be to serve the least of these. The least of these. In college, one of my professors, uh, Joe, who became one of my close friends, uh, said something to me, and I wasn't sure I believed it, but I do now. He said, as Christ followers, we must always have the least of these on our minds and our hearts. There's no time when we have done enough or when we can forget about them. I've come to believe that that is the heart of God. Here's what I'm learning. Serving the least of these is a specific and separate calling on our life. Yes, we are to love our neighbor, but our neighbor may not fall into the category of the least of these. Yes, we are to serve our brother or sister, but our brother or sister may not fall into the category of the least of these. We're to love our enemy, but our enemy may not fall into the category of the least of these. So who are they? There is a separate and distinct calling in each of our lives if we follow Christ that reveals itself throughout Scripture even from the words of Jesus directly. Jesus, seriously though, if Jesus would have just done this one time, if he would have served the least of these one time, that is enough, right? For us to do the same thing. But he made a habit of it. He spoke of it many times. He says in Matthew 25, uh, 35 and 36, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. goes on to explain, as you did it to one of the least of these, you did these unto me. Jesus is asking us to serve the least of these, and through that we serve him. God goes on to say in James 1.27, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being unpolluted by the world. This is how I believe God defines the least of these, orphans, widows, the poor and the needy, the stranger and the foreigner. There's a theme throughout scripture of this separate and distinct calling on each of our lives. To name a few places up on the screen, Psalm 35, 10, Psalm 10, 14, Deuteronomy 26, 12 to 13, Zechariah 7:10, Isaiah 1:17, 1, 1 John 3, 17 to 18, Luke 14, 12 to 14, and John 14, 18, to name a few, where these are the people who are defined as the least of these. A year and a half ago, after seeking um, a lot of feedback from close friends, doing research. Um, lots of encouragement from my wife and kids, and hearing from God in many, many ways, our family decided to begin the adoption process through the state of Arizona. And we wanted to adopt siblings to keep them together, to give them a home, a family, to love on orphans. I like to call it the beautiful adventure. Then, six months after the decision to begin the adoption process, I made another decision to add to the busiest season of my life, to go to Jamaica this summer and to send the middle school to Austin, Texas. Despite all of the reasons to not do those and not do those at the same time, sometimes reason is superseded by a different kind of reason, a calling from the Lord. So I want to take a look at a passage today that reveals exactly what I'm talking about. Um, If you have your Bible or app, you can turn to Deuteronomy 15. I'll give you a bit of background to set the stage this morning. Deuteronomy is the last of five books of the Pentateuch, which is a fancy way of saying the five books that Moses wrote, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and the last was Deuteronomy. Now, God gave... Moses, the Ten Commandments, and the book of Deuteronomy is essentially taking the Ten Commandments and then making that every, every part of your life, expanding that to rhythms, to how, how it, what it means to interact with this person, what it means to interact with that person, what a rhythm of life of faith looks like. He expands the Ten Commandments, and Deuteronomy is that, is that instruction. So a bit about Moses. Who's this Moses that the Spirit speaks through? Because if you sit down with a friend and you're like, man, they've been through this, they've been through that, they really messed that up, they're really successful with this, it kind of gives them credibility. Well, here's the credibility of the person we're hearing from this morning. He was orphaned at three months and then floated down a river and picked up by Pharaoh or the, the king, if you will, the most powerful person on the planet, picked up by their family. He got his mother back for nursing and then lost her again he killed a man in his anger and then fled to the desert for 40 years out of fear of being killed by Pharaoh. God appears to Moses in a burning bush and talks to him. God challenged Moses to confront the most powerful person on the planet, to confront Pharaoh and about his people, and in order to prove himself to Moses that, I, I got this, I have the power. He, he takes his rod, he turns it into a snake and then turns it back to a rod, back to a stick. And then he gives Moses leprosy and then heals him of it. Finally, Moses confronts Pharaoh and his rod turns into a snake. And Pharaoh said, well, well I got some people, they can turn rods into snakes and he did so. And then God proved himself once again and had Moses' snake eat all the other snakes. And then the whole thing about you know, the 10 plagues upon Egypt, water to blood, frogs, lice, flies, death to livestock, boils, hail, locusts, darkness, and then death of all the firstborn, all through Moses. Moses' people run from Egypt and God parts the Red Sea. God gave Moses the 10 Commandments, not only once, but twice. He gave them to Moses audibly, and then he gave them again in form of the tablets, a different kind of tablet. Moses spoke with God face to face. Can't say that I've done that. Moses got prideful and did something in his own power in front of all the Israelites, and because of that, was not allowed to go into the promised land that God had been talking about for such a long time. Moses then passed his leadership on to Joshua, died. And the last thing that Moses writes is the book of Deuteronomy. So it matters who we're listening to here, right? A lot of experience, a lot of interaction with God, a lot of mistakes. But Moses speaks to God's people in a certain situation. They have not yet gotten to the promised land. So when he's talking to them, He's saying these words to them just prior to the promised land. They're expecting, they're hopeful, they're excited, they're waiting, they're impatient. This is the audience that he's speaking to. And like us, there's something that we're hopeful for, expecting. There's something next for us. So like the people Moses was talking to, how they respond to God's word affects their future. How we respond to God's word today will affect our future. Deuteronomy fifteen seven through 11. I'm just going to read it straight through. If among you one of your brothers should become poor in any of your towns within your land that the Lord your God has given you, you shall not harden your heart or shut your hand against your poor brother. But you shall open your hand to him and lend him sufficient for his need, whatever it may be. Take care, lest there be an unworthy thought in your heart, and you say, The seventh year, the year of release, is near, and your eye look grudgingly on your poor brother, and you give him nothing, and he cry to the Lord against you, and you will be guilty of sin. You shall give to him freely, and your heart shall not be grudging when you give to him, because... For this the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and all that you undertake. For there will never cease to be poor in the land. Therefore I command you, you shall open wide your hand to your brother, to the needy, and to the poor in your land. So breaking these down by verse, in verse 7, you see the phrase, among you, okay, you know, you know give to those among you. At first glance, it's like, well, yeah, they're here, so they need help, so I'm gonna give to them, but it's a lot more messy than that because the people that are among us, we know, and we may know why they're poor and needy. We may have given them advice about how to not go this certain direction. It may be their own fault Maybe they didn't give to you when you were poor. The command is still the same. There are no conditions. It's just what we're asked to do, to give to the folks among us. The Lord is giving you that phrase. God gave you everything you have, and he's reminding us that everything you have is from the Lord. It's not yours, so give it freely. And then the phrase, you shall not harden your heart. Did some research on this phrase and it's essentially setting our mind against someone. Here's what that looks like. It looks like thinking of logical reasons why we shouldn't give to someone. That's setting our heart against someone. Logical, rational, things that make sense, reasons to ignore someone to not meet their needs. We shall not do that. Or shut your hand against your poor brother. Like your mind and your heart, your hand needs to be open to the needs of others, not shut, but open. Verse 8, But you shall open your hand to him and lend him sufficient for his need, whatever it may be. We are to give, lend, provide, sufficient for the need, doesn't say sufficient for wants or certain desires it says need but it's to take care of all of the need not just part of it verse 9 take care lest there be an unworthy thought in your heart and you say the seventh year the year of release is near and your eye look grudgingly on your poor brother and you give him nothing and he cried to the lord against you and you be guilty of sin Here's what's going on. In this time, debts were wiped clean every seven years. Pretty nice, right? I'd like some debts to just be poof, go away. And what Moses is saying here, that if it's day 364 on the sixth year, still lend to that person, even though their debt will be wiped clean tomorrow. He's not actually asking us to lend, he's asking us to give with no expectation of receiving back. Verse 10, you shall give to him freely and your heart shall not be grudging when you give to him because for this the Lord God will bless you in all your work and in all you undertake. God blesses those who give and give freely. A promise from the Lord. We don't know what the blessing will look like but we are blessed. Verse 11 For there will never cease to be poor in the land. You may have heard that before. There will never cease to be poor in the land. Therefore, I command you, you shall open wide your hand to your brother, to the needy, and to the poor in your land. That's the summary statement. You shall open wide your hand to your brother, to the needy, and to the poor in your land. If there was ever a good logical reason, to not give freely, to not give sacrificially, it's this, that there's always going to be poor. So it's a fight we can't win. Sounds like a very logical reason, but that's not the heart of God. The heart of God is to give anyway and to give freely. Even as far back as Moses, God was building the case throughout scripture to serve the least of these, the poor, the needy, the strangers and foreigners, the widows and the orphans. This is a specific and separate calling on our lives. And guess what? God gets the glory. I wanna say thank you to many of you. Uh, We took two mission trips this summer, one to Austin, Texas, and one to Jamaica. Those trips literally would not have happened if it wasn't for you, for this body. There was so much work, time, energy, prayer, financial support that went into making that happen. So I wanna say thank you from the bottom of my heart. You got to be a part of serving the least of these. I wanna share a few pictures to illustrate not only our trip but also what it looked like for us to serve the least of these, starting with Austin, Texas. Um, this is at a home of a couple that could no longer take care of their yard, much like we do here in Scottsdale. And this was uh, specifically humbling for them because years ago, when they were healthier and could move around a lot more, they actually won the yard of the month several times in their neighborhood, okay? But they were humbled. They can't take care of their yard anymore. They had to go to the city and request for people to come over and help. Uh, The next is a flyer that was passed out uh, to the local children in the neighborhood. Uh, Many of them not believers, don't know the Lord, and the gospel was shared with them in a fun and exciting way. And the third is a picture taken at a senior center. Um, Very many poor and forgotten people there who have no one to visit them. They played a lot of skippo, UNO and Mexican-trained dominoes, and guess what? They lost every single time to these folks. They were so good. They brought laughter and they brought friendship. And then the the group picture of the folks that served the least of these in Austin. Uh, Next with Jamaica, first place we went was an infirmary for adults and senior adults who were homeless, poor, and many of them with severe special needs. Hundreds of these folks who are forgotten, don't have family, don't have friends to take care of them, got a chance to love on them. At a school uh, for troubled kids who either got kicked out of school or can't academically hang with the mainstream school system, there's a school provided for them. We got to share the gospel with them. We, we bought the supplies and paid for and built a home for a homeless widow. We carried lots and lots of blocks. We shoveled lots and lots of sand and rocks. We built a home one piece at a time while getting to know the local kids and families. At a group home, we loved on special needs orphans. We painted over a dozen rooms to brighten up a dingy and really smelly place. It was the, one of the saddest places I've ever been in my life. We even painted several murals and even helped some of them color with their feet. In a second, I'm gonna show a video um, of just a picture of what it looked like at this group home. And you may hear some sounds you know, to you that, that sound like joy, and that's how you should hear them, but it, it, it's a little difficult because they're groans and moaning. But they were as happy as they could be while we were teaching them the whip and the nay nay. And this is the group that got to serve the least of these in Jamaica this summer. Awesome, awesome group of people. It was tough to be at the group home uh, because interacting with someone who really can't communicate back for eight hours a day is difficult work. And it was hard to do. And our students jumped right in and loved and loved well. Uh, Personally, um, a year and a half ago, we began the adoption process, and two weeks ago, um, the adoption became official. And this is a picture at court where we officially adopted Eric, age eight, and Joseph, age six, into our home. And uh, they wanted to take on our last name, but then added in that they wanted to take on Bryson's name. So they are Eric and Joseph Bryson Buchanan and it was a special moment for all of us. We even got a chance to vacation uh, in Florida shortly after that, um, but it's not all smiles and nice outfits. A lot of the time we feel like this. (laughs) It is a beautiful adventure. Uh, I promise you that if you choose to serve the least of these, you will make mistakes like I did. You will get it wrong like I did. You will still have a lot to learn, like I do, but you will find yourself in a place you never thought you would be, and you will see Jesus more clearly because of it. So how will you answer the call to serve the least of these? Let's pray. God, I thanks again. thank you again that You first loved us, and because of that love, then we get to love you and love others. I pray that as we consider what it means to serve the least of these, that you just make it very clear, you give us faith, you give us courage, you give us the strength to follow exactly what you would have us do. We ask all these things in your name myth.